Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Good. Better now that I'm eating these pistachios, though. Mm, mm-hmm. What'd you kids have for breakfast? I don't know. We're not doing that. I don't want to do this bit. <laughs> we're, we're done with that. <laughs> that, was, that, bit, that, was, that was a pre-Gig City bit only. <laughs> we live in a post-Gig City lifetime. So how, how are you doing post-Gig City? I'm good. I'm very good. Especially because like, that's the last like real commitment of the year. I've, I'm canceling the rest of my commitments for the year. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be you, uncommitted. What are your fans going to do? I mean, fans. I don't know. I mean, they keep the house cool through the process of convection. <laughs> Other than that, I'm not sure. So, um, what was your favorite thing at Gig City? What was your favorite talk at Gig City? <sighs> I don't know. Gig City was great. I I cannot over overstate. Yeah, overstate how much fun Gig City was. It was a, that was a really really good conference and. It's always nice to be in sort of smaller venues like that with with a, with a more intimate group of people. And it wasn't like that makes it sound like there was maybe twenty of us. There was not twenty of us. There was many more people than twenty of us. There was hundred and fifty, I believe. But it's that's so much more intimate and fun than like ElixirConf, where you. I find that I don't really like meet new people at ElixirConf that often because I'm introverted by default, and so I don't make an effort. To go out and like seek out people I just like haven't hung out with that often. It's mm-hmm. like I go and hang out with my friends because that's safe, and it's so large. It's like such a large conference now that it's it's really hard to. I don't know. I just I find myself always gravitating to the same like five people, and those I, people I, are great people. But I I don't make new friends. Whereas Gig City is small enough that like I'm forced to make new friends, and that's really fun. And yeah, it also I'm, feels safe to make new friends. I'm very the opposite. Like I'm very extroverted, but I have the same thing. Like I when I go to like Elixir Conf, it's so big that I do meet a lot of people, but I don't really get to know anybody. Like I, they're quick conversations. I sh- and I have like this big fear of missing out on something, so I'm always like, "Hey, wonder what they're talking about at the next table," and I just want to get up and move constantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at Gig City, I felt like I could just. I mean, everybody was pretty much in the same rooms and really close, so I could sit down and have long conversations and get to meet almost everybody at the conference. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's and I think that's true of other smaller conferences too. That was that that was true of Elixir Days when that was still happening. I think mm-hmm. that's true. I've never been, but I think that's from everything I hear. I think Impex is very similar. It's like a real intimate, fun vibe. Yeah, I think they have a yeah. CFP one too for Impex right now. Yeah. And so I would encourage you that if you're going to go to a conference, maybe pick a small conference. Did you, you don't hear, need to go to uh, the big conference? Speaking of conferences, do you know FOSDEM? I am familiar with the words FOSDEM. Yeah, free and open source developers. Something, 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 yeah. Uh, EU meeting. Mm-hmm. So this year's the first year ever that there is a beam track. Oh, that's cool. And so they're looking for CFPs, too. Wait, they're looking for CFPs. They're, they're, like they need to like no, they need to find no, some other people sorry. who have CFPs, and then they're like, sorry. We're piggyback on those CFPs. Sorry, that's not what I meant. <laughs> but first, we have to go to the ATM machine they're in order to get proposals, some cash out. Depends on how you spell cash. Mm. <laughs> we had great food. The other Where's awesome thing was that they provided dinner at the conference, mm-hmm. which I like. That's it keeps everybody together. 
a little yeah longer. there's a lot of like activities like all going on all at the same time it's real good mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it's great met a bunch of really really cool people um we got to do a recording of the show which is coming out today as we record this like live on stage and that was cool that was a lot of fun having all those people come I'm not up on sure stage it's going to I'm not sure if the audio is going to like convey how much fun it was and like the kind of bonkersness of it all but uh it was a lot of fun <laughs> and I hope I hope that comes across for people because it was it was super fun There will be a video of it too Oh okay cool they, well at That's, least they yeah. recorded it so hopefully nothing gets messed up and the video comes out too So that was a, that was a ton of fun I don't like I said I don't know if it'll come across but uh but yeah we were having a great time and I think that really sums up the conference. It was just a great time. It was a good time. What? Uh, I mean, you live in Chattanooga, so you didn't have to go very far. No, it's true. I was going to ask what your favorite thing that you ate while you were there is, but you're there every day. <laughs> That's true. Chi- I, I am here. Fried chicken. I am here with Chris on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I we I took you and uh, uh, Greg to eat fried chicken, and it was good fried chicken. It was really good fried chicken, and I had just had fried chicken for breakfast too, at Kenny's. Mm. They had a, just double up. Yeah, they had a fried chicken biscuit sandwich with apple butter on it. That had two boneless chicken thighs fried on there. It was massive. It's real good. It's good yeah. stuff. Oh, it was amazing. And then I had them add gravy to it because <laughs> why not? So. uh Working on any interesting projects? I'm working on... Uh, I'm building out some RPC stuff, which is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, you have to stop eating pistachios. <laughs> it is It <laughs> is, is it, so it, annoying. Am I, it am is I so too, annoying. too close to the microphone with my ears? Yes. A hundred percent. I'll just move the microphone up and down. Oh my god. I didn't realize you could hear that. I thought I was moving my head far enough away. No, you absolutely are not. You are hundred percent are not. Sorry um, to all of our listeners. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So I'm working on an RPC thing right now, which is a lot of fun. It's a, actually the the most fun I'm having is just because like it's nice to not have other talks to prep or other just like commitments to to care about that are sort of distracting. And so now I'm like able to sort of just focus on stuff that's been fun that I, that I've been thinking about building for a while, just like for fun. So that's been, that's been cool just to like kind of pursue that nice. and pursue different, different little projects and stuff like that. So what's, uh, what's got you wanting to pursue the GRPC stuff? I'm not, it's not GRPC. Oh, just it's RPC. just RPC. Yeah. What, what it's a different RPC. That? I don't know. It's an experiment. I think right now we we're still kind of working through how to build APIs that can sort of exist. Like we have a lot of APIs and those APIs have a lot of boilerplate in them to like get them up and running and to do a lot of stuff. And they all have all these like error handling semantics that are sort of more or less consistent, but not quite consistent. And there's just a ton of additional work to that goes into like looking at HTTP status codes and trying to work out, what kind of error it was and where the error is coming from and all this kind of stuff. And then that's even before you get to that's like, and that's just plumbing, right? There's all this plumbing that has to happen even before you start talking about like what's going through the pipes, right? Before you start talking about the data that's actually moving through the pipes and are you sending the right data? Are you sending data that we expect? Are we returning the right data? 
are, you know, is that data coming back in the shape that we expect it to come back in and that kind of stuff. So I'm playing around with some of that. Um, there's some trying to like encapsulate a lot of that boilerplate so that we don't have to like, every time we want to use a service, we don't have to build yet another HTTP client library and wrap it up with all these, like all this plumbing, right? We'll just mm-hmm. be able to sort of say like, here's what I want. Give me the client. And and then we're good to go. And then we can kind of spe- and then we can it'll we can talk about like what the data is after that. You know, um, is that going to be open source stuff? Like, oh yeah, probably. I mean, I'll probably open source it anyway. But like, it's an experiment right now. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see how it works. Are you trying to use it at work then? Yeah, I think we're we're sort of hitting uh, an inflection point where there's enough of us now that in order to utilize all of our services correctly. Uh, and in order to utilize our services and get leverage out of them, mm-hmm. which is really, I think, what the point is. Like every, whenever you're working with lots of distributed teams and you're building stuff and you're putting it like into your ecosystem, like your company's ecosystem, there's a trade-off to be made there. And the trade-off, in my opinion, is autonomy or leverage. Right? I've taught, I've talked about this before in terms of like coordination versus collaboration. Right? Teams made up of humans collaborate. But when your team needs to talk to another team, that's a coordination. Right. And every service you build, like you can choose to gain somewhat more autonomy, meaning like I don't need to communicate with any other teams. I can just like work on this by myself right now and not interact with anything else, which means no coordination, which is awesome. Or I can leverage all the existing work that's already out there. And that's like from a consumer standpoint, that's like you as you're building a service. But there's also the considerations you need to make about what is your service going to provide? Like, is your service a thing that could be leveraged? Can you make it leveraged more often? And making that trade-off is hard. I got sidetracked by Anna showing up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so what are what are the things that uh, you use to... Welcome, Anna. <laughs> you're still getting ready. <laughs> I don't even know if she can hear us. What are the decisions that lead you like, so are you, are you saying that you you're either autonomous or you're leveraging other services? So, or somewhere on the spectrum between the two. And like, you think about it this way, like if you build a key value store, mm-hmm. that's a high leverage concept. Like SCD is a high leverage service. Other people right? are leveraging it. Right. Yeah. Not, and it's, not and actually it doesn't really, it only really does like well, Etsy is maybe a bad example in this case because it does a lot of things. But depending on how you use it, you could use it and have it do like one thing. And the one thing could be just like key value store. And if you do that, then you're getting a lot of leverage out of that because everyone can use it. Everyone can use it. But it also means that it's a coordination point. So if you want to like change the API or change the way that this stuff works, which is to say like you want to grow the API or whatever, then you're affecting a whole bunch of people when you do that. So when you're building an API like that, you have to consider like who all is going to use this. Do I want to build this to be like maximally reused or do I want to build a concrete thing that, and and some things have to be concrete. Like some services have to be concrete because they're returning like data in the right shape. I think Anna waved that. I think that means that she can hear us now. I can. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Welcome, Anna. Sorry, I'm late. How's it going? We're talking about, about building services. Ah, what about We're all back together again. <laughs> the, ori- the original peaches. 
Um, Anna's obviously Gina Davis. I'm trying to decide if I'm Laura Petty or Madonna. Madonna. And then, oh yeah, it's probably true. And Amos is <laughs> whoever played Betty Spaghetti. I just get the leftovers. Is that what you're telling me? You're well. I would say you're like Rosie O'Donnell, and oh. maybe you're a little bit like Rosie O'Donnell. But I think you're just like <laughs> Betty Spaghetti. Who was it that played Betty Spaghetti? Whose husband like died in the war? Oh, I have yeah. no idea. I don't remember. <laughs> what about Amos services? is Betty Spaghetti. I'm gonna have to look up who who that is later. I'm writing it down because that's what I do. <laughs> if I'm not writing down books that Chris is suggesting, I'm writing down references that he's making so I can figure them out. <laughs> we were talking about services, and I, I'm making the claim that I think services generally like fall into these camps of either like very autonomous. I think if your team is autonomous and the thing that you're building is like an autonomous unit that doesn't have to depend on any other like existing services, that's like mm-hmm. a real win for your productivity, actually. Like, because you don't have to ever coordinate with anybody else. Like you don't have to have a meeting where you decide these are the data that we're gonna like send and like this is how we're gonna send it and like what all the plumbing is gonna be about it. You just sort of like move forward with your life. And I think on the other side though, like if you're fully autonomous, if you never coordinate, that means you're reinventing wheels. That means like that's how like every team in the you know every sort of like silo in the organization ends up with their own user service because they all needed one, but they couldn't coordinate or it was too hard to coordinate, and they just like valued autonomy more. Mm-hmm. So there's a trade-off to be made there between building individual things and building things that are like high leverage, mm-hmm. like that that everybody can take advantage of. But I mean, obviously, if everybody can take advantage of them, it means that like it's much harder to move that project forward once you hit this sort of once you hit a certain amount of users or and by users I mean clients like consumers of an API. Right, cuz then you get you get API lock-in and you you can't make changes as easily without affecting lots of people. Right. Yeah, and you need to if you want to add certain stuff depending on what plumbing you've chosen to use, you might be that might be a breaking change. If they've got some type thing that doesn't handle new fields like you just broke a whole bunch of people and you weren't even aware of it because you like grew your api which should be not a breaking change as we've talked about before but might Mm be so so you have to like work within those boundaries what prompted this discussion uh it's something i've been thinking about a lot because that's a thing that we're sort of thinking a lot about at work right now Mm -hmm. like where are we going to land with a lot of the things that we're building like where do they land on this sort of autonomous versus leverage spectrum Mm -hmm. and how much leverage do we want to get? Are there certain building blocks that we want to be high leverage because we know that they're not going to change that often? If we get the semantics of it right, then we feel good about it versus building something that's very, very specific, mm-hmm. right? So an example would be like the example I was giving before is like if you're going to build like a consistent store or you know, you're going to rebuild etcd or something like that, it can do like one thing. It can like reach consensus about keys and values mm-hmm. and that's a really, really useful service and a really useful API and it's high leverage. It doesn't actually really do anything besides that. Like you have to build, you have to build a real thing, like a concrete thing on, on the back of this like high leverage thing. Mm -hmm. So leverage, are you defining leverage as other people using you or you use? Yeah, either one, both, both other, I think, I think services. Yeah, I think both, I think both. And so because of that, you know, one of the, one of the goals for me is to build is to like remove boilerplate and remove a lot of these like plumbing discussions Mm -hmm. that we have to have so that it becomes 
mechanical to start to start reusing bits because I actually sort of lean more towards I think you generally want to build I think services and building APIs and microservices tends to actually I feel like what you really want to do is you want to you want to structure it the same way you'd structure anything else which is that you have these like underlying primitives like you have these underlying building blocks right that are general and reusable in a bunch of contexts that you can then like repurpose when you're building like concrete things right that's true and just like i think that's what you should do in like software design and in the quote unquote in the small right when you're building something today that relies on tcpip you don't have to care about how tcpip works because you just know how sockets work or whatever and then like you can just like reuse and take advantage of that stuff if you have like a generic http client you can kind of start abstracting away the layers mm-hmm. of complexity about what it means to like make an HTTP request and how do you connection pool and how do you do keep alive and upgrades and all this kind of stuff, right? Like I don't want to actually have to care about any of that when I'm building an application. Maybe I want to care about it when I'm building an HTTP, HTTP client, but I don't want to care about it right now. And likewise, if I'm building etcd or something like etcd, I, I have to care about those things. But once I've built it, it should be high leverage such that any other service can like reuse it. And so I think that there's a lot of times that you that's how you want to approach designing like systems or services is you start at the beginning with like these general things and you build up from there because then they're like reusable and you get more leverage out of them all. If everybody's building concrete specific things all the time, then they're reinventing like tons and tons of wheels, which maybe they shouldn't maybe they shouldn't have to reinvent. Mm-hmm. But again, it all falls in that spectrum of like if you don't if you reinvent it, well Maybe it's faster to reinvent it in terms of your productivity and like your overall productivity and your maintainability because you control it. And there's there's like a real cost to having to like get another team to update something or for you to go into like a different repo and you to start making changes to something else that then has to get deployed through some other pipeline that you don't control. That's harder. Mm-hmm. So you get maximal sort of autonomy and like I would say productivity gains when you lean more towards like when you don't have to rely on like other teams and coordinating with them. Yeah, I would agree with that. So when you do have to coordinate with other teams, like what's the, what, like you're in a, a decent sized organization with, with quite a few teams and quite a few services that are all interacting. So what makes it hard to like plan whether you should be leveraging or building your own? Like you talked about everybody making their own user service. I'm not saying that you're doing that at where you work, but that mm-hmm. was just the example. Mm-hmm. How do you, are there some decision ways that you decide whether you want to leverage or be autonomous and how do you decide what things should be out there for people to leverage? Yeah, I I think that's a great question. And I think if you had an answer to that, you could probably make a couple million dollars (laughs) because like just being able to answer that question is a little bit, that would be astounding if you could actually like answer that question really well. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyone who says they have an answer to that question is lying mm-hmm. or trying to sell you something yes. because it's not, it's not, it's, it's an unknowable thing in the sense that um, it's going to be a hundred percent based on your company and your com- and your company's dynamics. Like we actually don't have that many backend people at BR. There's about like, I don't know, I'll say like 10 of us, but it's very difficult still even with like 10 people like we're all working on super disparate things and we kind of like work across services a lot and it becomes really challenging to understand like what is the shape of the data 
what is the what am I going to get back from this API? And also, like, how do I call it correctly? Do I need like what headers does it need? Yeah, you know I mean, like all this kind of junk that you shouldn't necessarily have to worry about. But I think that happens when a lot of this stuff has been ad hoc and has grown over time. And so for us, like what we're trying to sort of codify is like we're trying to remove the difficulty or the overall like mental complexity, like the mental cognitive complexity of having to care about what the transport layers are going to be and like having to care about how that data gets like shipped around and also like to agree on like a contract about like what the data is so we can we don't ever have to like discuss it again. Or at least like when we discuss it, we don't have to discuss it like in the moment when I'm trying to reuse an API. I don't have to like reach out to people and be like, how do I do this? And we're doing that because coordination for us right now is, is difficult. It's hard for us to coordinate teams. So like we're making those choices because if we can all agree what the contracts are, we can codify them, then it allows us to be more autonomous down the line. But that's a problem specific to us because of like our team structures and and I mean, and calling it a problem, like makes it sound like more like worse than it is. It's just like circumstance of how our teams are arranged, of how we do work and of all this kind of stuff, right? Like there are other benefits we get from having the teams arranged the way that we have them. But one of the trade-offs is that we have to, that means that like our set of backend people have to agree on this kind of stuff somehow. And we have to like somehow work within that system. Mm-hmm. So there's a trade-off that we're making. And it probably means that we're going to use something that I don't even really agree with or like. Like, it probably means that we're going to use protobuf, right? Or some other sort of, like, well-defined, like, typed schema nonsense, right? That, I, I mean, I don't like protobuf because I think it has a bunch of, like, trade-offs that I don't personally like from an architectural standpoint. What are those? Number I mean, namely that all the schemas have to be communicated out of band. Like, the schemas aren't self-describing. Which means you really limit your ability to build generic middlewares for things. Like you can't have generic processors that like work on any kind of data because they can't they can't decode the data without the schema, and the schema has to be communicated out of band. So I think that's like a huge knock against protobuf, like a huge huge knock against protobuf. Protobuf has a bunch of other nice qualities, but like you know, for me, like. I value the ability to build like generic reusable things and you just can't do it. Like it's not a thing you can do with protobuf. So, and there's real big, long discussions from people trying to like hack systems to allow you to do that. But in any case, but like, but we still might do that. Like that's the experiment we're running right now is like using protobuf for it. And we're, and even though I don't like agree with it, I actually think in this case, in our specific use case today, that, that trade-off is okay. Like having to communicate schemas out of band is okay because of where we're at as a company and where we're at as like our teams and like, and, 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 and in context. So, and it achieves a bunch of these other goals. So, uh, because it's just way harder to like coordinate in other ways. Seeing Anna thinking. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about it. I mean, I don't, I think everything that Keith Lee is saying makes sense. I don't know that I'm trying to think like, yeah, I don't have any like contrarian views on this. I'm out of questions, so <laughs> did we run this to the end? We may have. I mean, I think of what he's saying makes sense, right? Like, I was just at a, I was the we hosted the uh, Elixir meetup at PatriotDuty the other day, and one of the guys who's like a principal engineer there uh, was talking about how because they were using Elixir for basically all of their backend services. 
and they have a lot of like really small services and they've made it really easy for people to write really small services and be autonomous and kind of mm-hmm. streamlined and agreed on like their deployment pipeline. And it makes it really easy for them to like spin up new stuff and get it out because mm-hmm. they are not depending on a bunch of other teams potentially, right. To coordinate the work. And again, I think the things that they have depend the, the things that, that are kind of high leverage, um, they've tried to keep really simple. It's kind of all of the things that you're saying, right? Yeah. And they have like hundreds, sure. hundreds of services running. Well, and I think that's part of it too. Like, uh, like a deployment pipeline that generically works for everybody mm-hmm. is super high leverage. Mm-hmm. It probably means that whenever they have to de- like change that deployment pipeline, it has like large ramifications, but they, it's also probably not a thing that they change that often. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so if you kind of get the semantics of it, right, then you're like, Sweet. Now it's just like this reusable thing and no one has to talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's like, there's huge benefit in that. I just think that that's, I don't know. I don't want to be the guy who's like, eh, you don't need to talk to people because I don't believe that that's true. But I think if you can reduce the amount of coordination you have to do across teams, across people who might have different goals and different KPIs or whatever the mm-hmm. hell they've got to hit or like, <laughs> no, you know, seriously. like, like different management styles, different, like they don't do, you do sprints, but they do waterfall, but they do XP, like whatever, like coordinating that is super hard. Well, and it's not a, the best use of time always. And I agree with you. It's not like saying don't talk to people. We had a client a long time ago and they were like, it was a complicated project and we were building some stuff that like definitely had impact on their business. And there was one team that was like, it was like Friday at like three o'clock and however you feel about, you know, people have various feelings about deployments on Fridays, but this, their team was like, well, we thought you were going to deploy to our whatever to use our services and you're going to deploy so that you could, we could say that. And they were basically like, can you deploy so that we can say that we now have a team using our services so that we can hit our KPIs. Because it's like wow. the last nice. day of the quarter. Nailed it. Yeah, exactly. We need to budget for next quarter. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, I mean, that's that's super true. And like we, I, I think that's true of any company you work in. There's all sorts of like mismatches and what is it? People you do, what's the term? Uh, impedance mismatch, which, you know, computer scientists, uh, quote unquote, programmers like don't even know the real meaning of and then misuse because they don't like ORMs. <laughs> That's that's quite essentially where you hear the term impedance mismatch is when somebody doesn't like an ORM. It's an impedance mismatch between the database uh, or whatever. But like you do, you get these like mismatches between different teams. Well, and different, and like, then, like you and said, like, right? different incentives. And so potentially different thought processes on why they're building the thing they're building and how they're going to leverage it. And then somebody else needs to use it, but it's coming from a completely different perspective. And so it makes it Mm -hmm. again, difficult to coordinate because the incentives aren't aligned. Yeah. And there are things that you super want to coordinate about, but the thing to coordinate about is like, we want a deployment pipeline. Well, that's because the incentives are aligned, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Like people are Mm -hmm. more willing to coordinate and want to coordinate when their incentive for success is tied to your incentive for success. And everybody needs a, deployment pipeline that's functioning right and if they can get you to do the work on the deployment pipeline then they don't have to yeah and it also means that you might be giving there's still a trade-off there you may not be able to deploy your services in these in the specific ways that you like you might be limited in your in your ability to deploy services in a specific way or to build services in a specific way if you want to leverage 
that thing. Yes. Um, like if you want to leverage their deployment pipeline, and I mean, obviously like tons of people have built very configurable deployment pipelines. Maybe this is a bad example, but you, you could imagine that you're making certain trade-offs. Yeah. But you're, like, because the incentive is to be able to deploy whatever it makes, it makes, there are the benefits, right. Are outweighing the downsides right. in this scenario. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. How many times have exactly. you been frustrated with the configuration of your deployment pipeline, but you still don't try to build your own? Oh, yeah. I mean, a bunch of times. I mean, I'm also the person who's like attempted to build their own a couple of times, but like for fun. But like, but but I mean, but but I totally I totally agree with your your core point there, which is that like you have to get a bunch of benefit out of this stuff for it to like mm-hmm. win out. And you are going to make trade-offs, and so the benefits have to outweigh the trade-offs to do it. But like, if you get, like I said, like if you get the semantics right, then it's like super worth it. And again, to Anna's point, you know, you're you're all aligned on like wanting this to be a thing. So you're going to kind of like make all the allowances you need to make to move it forward. I mean, it's it's interesting because like the meta, I feel like the meta part of the discussion around like how we build software is really around. And this is kind of obvious now that I'm saying it, but like, yeah, maybe it's not even worth saying, but it is around like higher level, like the, the, the bigger, the thing that you want to leverage, it seems like the more, the higher level, the goal, right? The goal that needs to, the goal for the thing to be built needs to affect a larger number of people for them to care about actually making it happen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 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 Right. And that's, that's one of the things we're doing. It's like this experiment, right? It's like, there's no guarantee that we're going to do this. There's no, like, and it's something I've slapped together on, like, a couple nights and, like, early mornings just because I want to try it out. And so it's one of those things where, like, there's no guarantee that we're going to do it. It has to prove its worth to a whole bunch of people, and a whole bunch of people have to want to buy into the ideas behind, like, the this sort of RPC stuff. And if they don't, then we just won't, we won't do it we'll find some other way to like solve these problems or to address like the current pain points that we have or whatever. But it is a thing that you do need to coordinate because it's going to affect everyone. Mm -hmm. Like everyone needs to sort of adopt it or else you're going to end up with five different ways to do JSON RPCs over crappy HTTP requests. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, they're not going to make any sense. That's like how we have like three different versions of JSON schema that aren't like, that are all wildly different or whatever. Like you don't want, that's not healthy either, necessarily. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's cool that your teams are open to trying the experiments. I think it's I think it's one of those things where it's like the pain, we've all felt the pain points of it. So we all kind of get it. Mm-hmm. We all sort of see, we see like the, the inherent problems in some of the stuff that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, we should probably be able to fix this. And, there, and there's a whole bunch of other things that go into it too, just in terms of like how we do QA, how we deploy, how we do all this other stuff. Like all that feeds into the solution that you're going to come up with, which is why I say it's like you're never going to come up with like a generic solution because the generic solution actually doesn't exist. You can't just adopt whatever hot new tech and have that like solve your problem. Um, you can't? Because they're solving. No, you can't. It turns out you can't. You heard it here first. What? The shiny you new thing doesn't do solve that. all the problems. I thought that's why people wanted the shiny new thing. Crap, that's the only reason I'm here. Yeah. I thought Elixir was the shiny new thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it is a, it's, I, I mean, you know, I like it. It's really just shiny on an old thing, though. Yeah. Mm, yeah. 
But so we should we should probably move away from OTP at this point. We should think bigger. <laughs> think bigger than OTP, Amos. I've been trying since that talk, and it's just not not coming to me. I think I need more experience, or I'm lost. Do you have any thoughts, Katie? I don't know. Beyond OTP? No, not at all. Other than Dave's talk was just amazing for a bunch of reasons. <laughs> like, you know, like it was just just super wild. Tell us I've how you really seen, feel, Dave. I've never seen... Yeah, that was but he good. was like... He was so... What's the right way to say this? It was like... He's like... It was just like a knife blade. Like, it was so mm-hmm. sharp. His, I get what he's where he's going with it. Like I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm here for this. But then like it just kept being. It was like easily the most coherent rant I've ever heard him give. Uh-huh. And it's like watching someone just like totally on the edge, on the very tip of the spear, like way out there, right? Yep. But he was like, but he was so focused on it. That was the thing that I was I appreciated. It was like he was like so direct. He like said everything he needed to say and then got out of there. It was awesome. Like and it was just it just kept getting more awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it was really good. <laughs> it was um, so hilarious. I mean, yeah, there were some very good points in that. And I think I like that it forced people to think, regardless of whether you agree with him or not, right? Like Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it was one of the best. Yeah, I'm not actually claiming that I I'm not claiming that I agree with literally any of his points, although I actually do agree with like a lot of his points or like the underlying point. Right. Uh, basically, here's the thing. If you start talking about data log, I'm here for that. Right. I'm so here for that. Right. Because that's that's my wheelhouse. Like I data log is awesome. I'm all all about some data log. So everything he was saying about data and locality and data log and all this kind of stuff and like the way we do queries and pro how prolog works and all that stuff, I'm like, yes, give me all of this. I want every bit of this. There's a lot of that other stuff where I'm just kind of like, eh, you know, maybe, maybe not, maybe. But like, but I'm still here for it. It's so good. And it was really good. It was really, I mean, that was, in general, I think, yes, the core points were, I think, good for everybody to hear. And we did end up talking about that talk the very next day. So yeah. It, oh, yeah, it definitely had an impact. So if you're, go out and watch Dave's talk from that whenever it hits. Are the talks up? I don't, know. I don't think so yet. I haven't seen anything. I don't anything. think so. Yeah, I haven't talked to y'all since then. That was such a fun conference. Yeah, we were talking about it earlier. It's we had I'm just sort of saying like it was a great time, just a great time. They've done a really good job. What was mm-hmm. your favorite talk, Anna? My favorite talk, Amos's. Amos's. Your talk was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it better when Stu Holloway gave it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And I have to compete against Stu Holloway. Stu gave it was a, a lot talk. less stressful too. Whenever Steve was given, or <laughs> Stu was given it, not Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, yeah, I don't know who Steve, Steve is. Favorite talk? I honestly really, I think Keith Lee did a great job. I thought that was a really good talk. <sighs> yeah, oh. he about made me cry. I know, me too, twice. Jerk, <laughs> jerk, twice. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm really, really happy that people have resonated with that talk. It's that was it was nice. It's nice to hear that people have enjoyed that talk. It was really good. It was good enough that I'm planning on watching it again when it's on video. <laughs> because yeah, this time I can actually cry because I won't be sitting with a bunch of people exactly. and right in front of you. <laughs> exactly. I kept thinking if I cry, Chris is going to cry, and this. <laughs> but then that was, there was an assumption there that anything that I would do would have an emotional impact on Chris too. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I mean, that's mm. not wrong. I can see that Might anything. have made him laugh. 
Well, I called out Chris during my talk, so it was fine. That's true. You <laughs> <Nice>. super did. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. I thought Brian's talk was really good. I, he's great. Also, did you see the photos that he posted? Send yeah, the, a link. Oh, yeah. The ones those you shared awesome. were from Yeah, him. those were so good. He's fantastic. Thank you for the photos, Brian. Yeah, he's so he's a fantastic photographer, and he's a great. I thought his talk was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his talk was really good. Should we, a lot should of we talks throw really good. I mean, that's the thing. It's like Trout, is was like, it Trout, 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 Trout Twain? Trout, Troutly? Trout? Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry, Brian. Now I suck. Let me find. <laughs> let me find it. He's great. Twitter. That was the thing. Though, was like a lot of the talks were really good. I think they did a really good job selecting people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's Brian Troutwine. Thanks for the photos. Yeah, and pre and preloading some NASA stuff for Chris. Too. Oh yeah, that was really good. <laughs> that was yeah. set up nicely. The, the whole day was very serendipitous. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, like like the I, I don't know. It felt like all the stars like kind of like all came together mm-hmm. to make that to make the the my talk at the end sort of like fit really well into the overall like message of the conference yes. and like it, it a lot of it just like worked out kind of perfectly. So that felt really nice. Yeah, it was. I think I felt the same way. It went really well, which makes me excited for Lone Star because yeah, yeah, Bruce and Maggie did a really good job. Yeah, they do. They do a good job with conferences. Mm-hmm. They're they're good at it. Is yeah. the CFP still open it. for Lone Star? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know if it's open to, at all. At, at all? This point. Yeah. Oh, but you, yeah, people should submit. They're good. They treat speakers really well. Their conferences they're, they're, are fun and thoughtful. Their and... conferences are super fun and yeah, very intentional, super thoughtful. Yeah, they're great. One of my favorite speaker gifts of all time. Actually, oh, yeah. yeah, we got cups or mu- like Mugs. like a like a metal like mug uh, with a metal straw. That's awesome. That is awesome. Also, Brian Hunter's daughter was amazing. Oh my gosh! I you have to like listen to last week's avatar because of it. Yeah, we got pictures drawn of us, and you'll have to listen to the episode that came out last week when this goes up. Yep. <laughs> today. The one today. that came out today. <laughs> I was just super impressed. She's 13, and she just like got up and on so stage. so articulate. I know. So we need to have her on the show. We should. Again. Brian, Brian, reach out. We, we need to have Sophia on the show. Yeah, it was, that was awesome. So, can and we, then, and can yeah. we say somebody's name if they're under 18? I don't know. Mm. We need to have that yeah. one girl who drew all the pictures on the show. <laughs> yes, we definitely do. If that's if that's okay, I told her she was an honorary outlaw because she killed it. <laughs> yeah, it was so great. But yeah, no. You should tell her time. we all have matching tattoos, so she has to get one. Now that she's <laughs> I don't know that that would be okay. That's not the kind of message you want to spread. Amos. I I just want to see Brian's face when I tell her that. Don't know that that would be okay. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's I feel like that's not cool. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm Henri. <laughs> mm. You really are the Betty Spaghetti of this group. <sighs> now no, he really I has really to go look up the reference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A League of Their Own. That's from A League you of might, Their Own. You might be the Bill Pullman of this group. I almost said not in the show no, and distracted. No crying in baseball <laughs> <laughs> when talking about Chris's talk. <laughs> Not even realizing that you were making a reference. I feel like I probably sub- what other I think I probably Gina subconsciously and Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell and, Rosie and Bill Pullman. <laughs> That's true. That's Laura true. Petty. Yeah. 
my brain must have been working that in the background. And Betty Spaghetti. So, How many other right shows have you watched with a Betty Spaghetti? I did not whose remember husband the dies name in the Betty war. Spaghetti from anything. It's like, what is it? A kid's show? Is this Beaches 2? Oh, my God. <laughs> the re-beachening. Have, Chris, have you done any more stuff with Norm? Not to change the subject, Uh but. Yeah. I've worked, I mean, just like a couple of fixes. Just using it. Just using it How's all the it time. How's it It's great. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's, it's exactly like what I've wanted for a long time. feels really good. Like I was using it on this RPC stuff. That's and it awesome. just is like, even for like stuff that just things that like you wouldn't expect, just like making sure that like you're passing the right arguments to, to functions and stuff. It feels so good. That's awesome. So, yeah. And you- I'm sure there's use cases that it doesn't fulfill at the moment, but for the things I need it to do, it's like totally nailing it. That's so, awesome. Yeah. It's great. Nice. It's one of the few things I've ever built where I'm like, I think I, I think this works. I think this is what I wanted. Well, it's because you're you. I mean, I think that the fact that you're using it is a testament to that. Yeah, a lot of the stuff I build, I don't use. It was more scratching your own itch than just an experiment. I feel like yeah. a lot of things that you bring up, you're like, I'm experimenting with this. I made this experiment, and this one, yeah. you're like, I made this thing because I want to use it. Yeah, it's it's. I think that's it. and it's small too, so it's easy to sort of use it in a bunch of different ways it's very general so yeah and it's just it's hitting an inflection point where i'm like i think it's done i awesome. think like i think like we'll probably add the contract stuff in there but then otherwise it's like eh, i'm not sure what else like needs to go in here yet and if nothing i mean they kind of think nothing so we'll see it awesome. feels good especially considering that uh i mean i'm sure that means that uh, people won't use it i found out somebody uh on the i had to yell at somebody on the next slack today because they were uh like well this readme hasn't updated in like two years and it's like referencing old things. So I assume I should just move on because they haven't and specifically about an eye library that I maintain. And I said, well, you can come to my lawn and tell, you can come to my house and mow my lawn and tell them, then you can tell me how to make, uh, use my time. <laughs> and I haven't been banned from the Elixir Slack yet, but it might just be because no one's seen it. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to ban you from the Elixir Slack. Stay off the know. forum, stay off the slack. Didn't you listen to anything Dave said? Yeah. That's true. Dave was Dave that's a thing Dave was hundred percent right about. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean we've talked about the Forever Project situation a lot and people forget that that's real. Yeah, yeah. it's tough. Although I saw somebody I just have no I've lost all all of my chill about being told how to like spend my time on open source projects oh, I agree. and like whatever else I'm so over it. And I feel like it's like going to reflect very poorly on the people who now maintain those, that project. But I, I'm just like, I don't know. Like I, I've, I'm so over it. And sometimes software gets to a point where it's hopefully done. Like you don't need to do a lot of maintenance or adding features. Like if you have a complete feature set and you just want to leave it there, that's fine. Just because a, yeah. a project hasn't had any movement doesn't mean that it's bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think people with common sense can see that. Yeah. People it, who make decisions based on actual benefits and trade-offs and not who has the most recent commits in GitHub. Well, you could just update your readme all the time. Yeah, that's what the closure community does. They build stuff <laughs> and they're like, then they like, they literally will check in like what they call proof of life. Every couple of months, they like just commit something to the readme. And they're like, yep, it still works. Still does exactly what it is supposed to do. That's yes, hilarious. It's still no maintained. Idea. 
You could probably build a bot to just do that, right? Like, oh, it's so good. Um, there you go. Next open source contribution. I know, right? Still the still alive bot. Are you doing? Are y'all doing the Halloween thing today with the kids? Oh yeah. What are they uh, dressing up as? This is equivalent to what did your kids eat for breakfast? But you know, it's fine. <laughs> Hedwig and or Hedwig Hermione. Yeah, she's going as a as a as a white snowy owl. Aww. Uh no, she's going as Hermione. Cute. But and then um Spider-Man. Spider-Man. What about nice. the baby? He's going as a baby. Good <laughs> good costume. That's a really good one. He's so cute. I think he's got he's pu- so one of those puffy pumpkin outfits. Oh, okay. Or like one of those puffy like little baby things. Yep. Nice. I like that. He's, he's going a as a baby. Uh, what are your kids doing my youngest daughter is uh they they made their costumes themselves this year out of stuff they found around the house my youngest is queen bespoke queen lucy from narnia oh cool Mm. and my son i can't remember his name uh you can't remember your son's name name? no no (laughs) my my (laughs) oldest son is um a uh, Crutchy, I think, is his name from the Newsies. I'll have to look he up had, that reference. He has That's a, a reference that uh, even I don't get. He has. Have you never seen the Newsies? I'm familiar with Newsies as a as a body of work. Okay. I have never seen it. Anyway. It's it's pretty good. So he, he's going as as one of the characters from the Newsies. Okay. Um, and then my other son, I think, is just going to hang out in the neighborhood okay. and watch the kids go by. Cool. It's cool. That'd be fun. Yeah, we'd like. I like to give out candy. My block is a little quiet, though. It's funny because like the couple blocks right on either side of me are packed full mm-hmm. of people, and it's like my block is quiet. Aww. Mm-hmm. Even though everybody has their lights on, we just don't see as many people as the next block yeah. over. Our neighborhood is filled with old retirees, who but who are old enough now where they're like, "Is it? Is Halloween? What day is it?" <laughs> like. Where'd I put my keys? <laughs> Aww. So, yeah. I think our problem is nobody nobody puts up, like, real Halloween decorations on our block. The next block over, you know, they have, like, graveyards in their front yard and stuff. And we're like, mm-hmm. I've got pumpkins and hay bales they all They dug over. a graveyard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is a graveyard on both sides of my block. A literal like, graveyard. Yeah, like, really old graveyards, too, that, like, nobody's you run out of room anymore. in Kansas, even? On, <laughs> I'm not in Kansas. One side that you, needed, that you needed both? I'm not in Kansas. Oh, Missouri, whatever. Well, the I problem mean, in Missouri. It's very flat. The problem, you, the problem. How do you in, run out of room? It's not flat. The problem, yes, it is. The problem in Missouri is that you get a foot down and you hit bedrock. So if you mm. find a spot where there's not bedrock, you have to make a cemetery there. Because <laughs> it's the only place you can bury things. It's legally required. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how that works. This must must be a cemetery here. <laughs> oh, man. Have we divulged? Maybe. It's fine. Divulged? Diverted? It's Halloween. Divulged? Fine. Divulged is told the mean, truth. Divulged? I mean, divulged? Yes, you just divulged everything about what your kids are going to do for that's, Halloween. That's not what I meant. That's literally what this entire this entire podcast is centered around divulging information. <laughs> about chil- about our children. Did you guys talk about, well, about breakfast, things. too? I mean, we already did. We, okay. we covered... <laughs> we covered that, and that Chris says we can't talk about breakfast anymore after Why? Big City. Breakfast is over. Oh, I see. He doesn't feed his yeah. children anymore. Actually- that bit no longer is, it was. <laughs> Got it. Chris likes to get profound. people used to hearing something 
And then take it away from them. And then just take it away and be like, Pah! <laughs> yeah. Some sort of like uh, kung fu ninja, like from a seventies like bad uh, kung fu movie, like throw a smoke bomb down, like waha, I'm gone. <laughs> right now we've really diverted. <laughs> See, we have. I, I believe we've divulged as well. <laughs> Div- we divulged. Div- diverged was the word I was looking for. <laughs> diverged. Uh, yes. Oh man. Oh, but- sorry, I was late. That was fun. Being late was fun. Being late. No. <laughs> Talking to you. Oh my god. Pronouns are awesome. I love pronouns. Right? The English language. <laughs> I mean, that's almost as good as you not remembering your son's name, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> not his real name. <laughs> Some days I'm sure he would wish I would forget his name, though, so I, I couldn't call mm. call to him whenever he's in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, y'all. Is that it? Yeah, I better get going for my day. All right. Yep. I need to. I probably should do some work at some point. Yep. Go get some work done. All right. Some food. All right. Talk to y'all later. Go look up Betty Spaghetti. Um. I. Well, now I know you. It's too late. Well. But I may go watch a video of Betty Spaghetti since you said that I'm her. Her husband dies in the war. The guy comes in and he wanders around and then and like you know this movie really well, Chris. It's a really good movie. It is a good movie. It's the it's only like really movie Chris movie. owns. I haven't seen. It's probably it's probably problematic by today's standards. Yes. But I wa- I watched it as a kid. Yeah, uh, with my mom like a lot. Aww. So because she liked it. That's fair. And like Gina Davis. So I was yeah. like, sweet. This seems cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You don't remember the heartbreaking scene where the guy comes in from the from the war office and he's like, I got to announce who which one of your wife which one of your husbands has died and he like wanders and everybody thinks it's going to be them and then he walks up to Betty Spaghetti. Tom Hanks has to deliver the, yeah. the note. Anyway, it's heart wrenching. It's a very sad movie. Hmm. Bill Pullman. All right. I think All right, Chris later. just wants to make people cry. <laughs> All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.